Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. And we're here this morning, Lord, in your tabernacle, Lord, with your people, Lord, and we're here, Lord, to hear what you have to say, Lord, through your word, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will be glorified and exalted, Lord. Father, glorify your Son. Holy Ghost, take over this meeting, Lord. And have your way, we ask it, Lord, in your wonderful name, Lord. Amen. Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a psalm that came to me a few weeks ago. I was in the car just driving on my own and I was seeking God, praying and I asked the Lord what he wanted to say to his people because it has to be a word from the Lord if it's a word from me I may as well stay in that seat it's null and void and it's of no effect and a word from the Lord and he led me to Psalm 73 and I started to dissect Psalm 73 and I took every verse and I broke it down because it's important to know what the Lord is saying and Psalm 73 has just consumed me this last month it's, it's all I have in my head is Psalm 73 and it's a psalm that when you read it and it's a psalm that when you dissect it it's for now and it answers a lot of questions. People have questions. God's people have questions. And Psalm 73 answers a lot of the questions. It's a psalm of Asaph. And when I was driving in the car and I asked the Lord what he wanted to say, he said Asaph. One word, that was it. Asaph. And I went to Psalm 73. And I spent a lot of time in Psalm 73. And Esau is speaking from experience. He's speaking from life experience. After a battle with his own mind. Esau has had a battle with his own mind. And his own heart. Which caused his feet to slip. And his walk to waver. His feet to slip on his walk to waver. A battle of the mind on a wavering walk. And Esau is speaking from experience. Who is Esau? Esau was a descendant of Gershon, the son of Levi. And he was identified as a member of the tribe of the Levites. And the Levites were commissioned by David to be in charge of the singing of the house of Yahweh or in the temple. And Esau was a seer, or in other words, he was a prophet. And if you go to reference Second Chronicles chapter 29, Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 30. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praises unto the Lord with the words of David and of Esau the seer. So Esau is a prophet. And they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. And it says they sang the words of David and of Esau. And you're talking about the songbook of Israel, the Psalms. And it's important when we're worshipping that your worship lines up with the word of God. There's a lot of waffle nowadays. There's a lot of rubbish out there. And it's repeat, 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 repeat. And there's no, sub there's no substance. The worship must line up when you're singing with the word of God. And Esau was a chief musician. And he taught the word. And in Nehemiah chapter 12, Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 46, For in the days of David and Esau of old, there were chief of the singers. So he's a prophet and he's a chief of the singers in Israel. And you'll find Esau's genealogy and name in First Chronicles chapter 6, marking the priests of Israel and their assistants chosen by God to serve 
in the tabernacle. In Second Chronicles chapter 5, in Second Chronicles and in chapter 5, you'll find Esau in Solomon's temple. And the, Solomon's temple has been finished. And they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And you'll find in chapter 5, starting in verse 12, as the Levites, there it is again, the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Esau. So Esau, Esau means gatherer. That's what his name means. And Esau, the chief of the musicians, and he was a prophet unto David and unto Israel, and he would gather the people into the temple, or the, the temple of Yahweh, of Haman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, and stood at the east of the end of the t- altar, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. This is Solomon's temple, the ark's being brought in, and they're playing instruments, and they're worshipping, and they're praising God, and the thanksgiving. It came even to pass as the trumpets, the trumpeters and the singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Listen to the verse. So that the priests could not stand to minister, by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord, house of God. A cloud fell on Solomon's temple, and the glory of the Lord fell to the extent that the priests couldn't even stand. They were on their face. And I hear some people saying, you oh Lord, Show us your glory. But if the Lord showed his glory this morning in this tabernacle, you wouldn't be sitting on your seat. You would be in your face because you couldn't look at him. You can't cope with it. We can't cope with it. And the cloud came down. The cloud came down to cover his glory. And even though his glory was covered to an extent, the priests were still on their faces. Esau gathered the people into the temple of Yahweh. He was a mighty man of God, clearly. But in Psalm 73, this is Esau's mindset. I have kept fasts, observed Sabbaths, heard sermons, made prayers, given alms, avoided sin, resisted temptation, withstood lust, spoke of Christ and his servants in vain. That was Esau's mindset. So Esau, now in Psalm 73, he's having a battle. The battle's with his mind. And his walk starts to slip. The battle's with his mind. This is the state of his mind and heart. When for a while he looked at the temporal and the supposed prosperity of the wicked and took his eyes off the eternal. Psalm 73 is the life experience of a man of God who wrestles and debates with himself. He wrestles and he debates with himself. In the last few years especially, in the day and hour that we are living in, do you find yourself debating with yourself? Do you find yourself weak and confused and shaken like Esau? Your heart fainting and your mind going at what is and what is going to come upon the earth. And you're a child of God. When shepherds have scattered the sheep, stop feeding the flock and shut the pens because they were afraid. They were afraid. Aren't you glad that you have a shepherd? Pastor Ken, aren't you glad that you have a shepherd who continued to feed the sheep and kept the pen open? Aren't you glad? The first port of call 
for any man, woman or nation in times of trouble should be the tabernacle of God. The first port of call. It's not a politician or an MP or a prime minister or a president or whoever they are. It's the creator. It's Christ. That's the first port of call for wisdom. In the sanctuary. In the temple of Yahweh. In this psalm we have the matters of the mind and of the soul. Of prosperity. Of the wicked so-called prosperity. We're going to look at that. The end of the wicked now and their eternity. The end of the wicked now and their eternity and what it's going to be like. And the way of the saved now, the blood bought in this life and in the next. And in Psalm 73, and I'm going to take my time to go through it because it's very important that we get the detail and it's very important that we understand what God is saying to his people at this time. And in Psalm 73 and verse 1, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And Asaph declares in verse 1 of the psalm, after his life experience, this is after his life experience, the conclusion that he comes to is God is good to the covenant people, Israel, and those of a clean heart. Now, a clean heart doesn't mean a sinless heart. Because there was only one who was sinless. That clean heart means that you're sincere. You're sincere inwardly, not outwardly. You can put on what you want outwardly. It matters not. It's the heart. And it means those, a clean heart. It means those who are sincere in heart. Because Christ sees the heart. He knows your heart. He knows, he knows your inner being. And a clean heart means, are you sincere? Are you seeking God? And that's what that means, a clean heart. Truly God is good to Israel and his covenant people, even to such are a clean heart or insincere in following Christ. And he declares after his life experience that he sat his feet on the rock, the rock Christ Jesus. That's what verse 1 means. But listen to verse 2. But as for me... So he goes to himself now. He's spoken about Christ. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. My feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. So he, he starts looking back at his experience. And why? Why did it say in verse 2, but as for me, Christ is the rock. But as for me, my feet were almost gone and my steps had well nigh slipped. Why? In verse 3 it tells you, For I was envious of the foolish. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So Asaph's eye now is gone from the seer and the prophet and his spiritual eye is gone and the eye of the flesh has come through. For I was envious at the foolish. He's looking at the foolish. And the Bible calls the Christ rejected the foolish because they're fools. The foolish said in his heart there's no God. And it says it here as well. They're foolish. But Esau was looking at the foolish. And when he sees the prosperity of the wicked, it caused his mind to go and his feet to slip. And in verse 3, he envied the fool. The boastful, who seemed to prosper in wealth. Listen to the question that he asked himself. And you might ask yourself this question as well. Should an heir of heaven envy the wicked? That's a big question, isn't it? Should an heir of heaven envy the wicked? That's what he was asking himself. That's where he was. He saw their present and he forgot their end. Well nigh slipped in verse 2. But as for me, a bottle of the mind and a spiritual marathon had begun. 
My feet were almost gone. A connection between the heart and the mind. Asaph could hardly stand. His knees were bowing. When a believer doubts God's sovereignty in the world and in their life, it spreads like wildfire and it shows in their life. Once the eye of flesh comes through, it goes to the heart. Your eye of flesh goes to the heart. Then it goes to the mind and the mind starts to go. And then once your mind goes and your heart's gone, your walk goes. That's the way it goes. And you start to slip. And you start to waver. When you start to debate with yourself the things of God. He couldn't walk. He felt as if he couldn't walk with the Lord anymore. And it was as if he was walking on ice and he was slipping. And his walk was sliding. And his walk was slipping. His heart is gone. His eyes on the flesh and the temporal. His mind is going and his walk is, his walk is failing. And his eyes on the wicked. And he envies the foolish. When you're weary and you're tired. And you're on your own. That's when the enemy will go for you. When you're weary and you're tired and you're on your own. Because I've experienced that. There's times I'm tired. I'm tired. And then you're weak. And when you're tired and you're weak and you're on your own, temptation comes. It comes in. Because you're weak and you're tired. And the guard's down. And you're on your own. And God's people need to be among the sheep. Being fed by the shepherd. Among the sheep being fed by the shepherd. If you're not among the sheep, get in fellowship. You're not being fed by your shepherd. There's only one way it's going to go. Your heart will go, your mind will go, and your walk will slip. You're not being fed. Man shall not live by bread bread alone. Sometimes you need the spiritual food more than you need a sandwich. Sometimes you need the spiritual food and it fills your mind. And all you have in your mind is the spiritual food. And then the heart is steady and then you can walk because you're being fed. You're being fed by the word of God and the shepherd and the Holy Ghost. That's where you need to be. Guard your mind. With the helmet of salvation. Guard your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. So there's room for nothing else. Consume your mind with the word. You want to meditate? Meditate on the word. Meditate on the word and fill your mind with the word of God. And there's nothing else can fit in there. Only what God is saying to you. No matter what, you tell yourself that you're saved. You tell yourself that you're blood-bought and you fill your mind with the word of God. In verse 4 of the chapter, For there are no bounds in their death, but their strength is firm. And Asaph looks at them and Asaph says, So there's no bounds in their death. They don't care whether they live or die. For there are no bounds in their death, but their strength is firm. And the bounds means pangs or pains. As far as Asaph sees this, when he's envying the wicked, and he looks at the wicked, he looks at their prosperity, he looks at their death, and he says, so they even die in peace. They even die in peace. They don't care whether they live. They don't care whether they die, and they're in prosperity. But listen to what Matthew Henry said. Men may seem to die like lambs, but they will have their place forever with the goats. They may seem to die like lambs, but they'll have the place forever with the goats. Spurgeon says this. They seem not in distress because God has given them over to their heart's desire. So the filthy become even more filthy. 
Spurgeon said that. That's why they seem to die as lambs, but they'll have the place with the goats. Spurgeon says they've been given over. They've been given over. And the filthy will become even more filthy. Like a sick man with an incurable disease. And so nothing is withheld since they are given over to their heart's desire. Christ says, you want to live like that? You want to reject me? Have some more. Have some more. You're filthy. Here's more to become even more filthy. And you're wicked. And we're going to be looking at it later on. People say, why do the wicked prosper? It explains it in this, in this, in this chapter. He says, you want to be wicked? You be wicked. And I will let you be even more wicked. But payday is coming. Payday is coming. The higher the elevation, the greater the fall. Don't be fooled. Why do the wicked prosper? He's filling the cup. He's filling the cup. The greater the elevation, the greater the fall. Don't be fooled by the wicked. The seeming prosperity of the wicked. God is in control of it all. God is in control of it all. In verse 5 of the chapter, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Here he is again. There's no trouble. They live life carefree. They're fine. They have all they need, all their prosperity. They've no cares in the world. Here am I. Esau says, look at me. Trying to live a holy life. Trying to live a holy life before God. And I have nothing. He thinks he has nothing compared to the wicked. In verse 5, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. When we take our eyes off the things of God and fix them on the temporal, that's when the mind goes. You get sidetracked and you lose perspective and the wicked seem to prosper and there's no end to their prosperity. In verse 6, Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Listen to the verse. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Valence covereth them as a garment. That's, that's now. That's now. Pride. The big chain of pride. And the garments of violence. That's what you have now. The chain of pride and the garments of violence. In verse 6. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. They were a chain like pride. They're proud of what they do. They don't hide it. They don't hide it. And the violence covers them as a garment. A garment of violence and a chain of pride. They wear pride as a chain and a necklace and cover themselves with a garment of violence. They are great in their own eyes and boastful and arrogant They wear the garments of Satan with pride. The garments of Satan. The cloak of violence and the chain of pride. They are the garments of Satan. And they wear them openly. And Esau sees this. And he sees them prospering. He sees their wickedness. And his mind's going. His heart's going. And his walk is fainting. When he looks at it. And he's debating with himself, why is this being allowed to happen, Lord? What's going on? Why am I looking at this? They're laughing at me. I'm trying to live a holy life and look at the wicked. Openly flaunting the garments of Satan before my face. That's what Esau is saying. Remember, this is a seer, this is a prophet. This is a gathering of the people to the temple of Yahweh. 
This is a man of God. But this is where he is. This is where he is in his walk. They want their way and not God's way. They want their way and not God's way. And to achieve their own end. They browbeat and ride roughshod over everyone who doesn't agree with them. And fail to comply and fall in the line. They ride roughshod over the believer. They wear the chain of pride and the garment of violence. And you better comply. And you better shut up. And don't talk about God. We're your saviour. It's now. The government's your saviour. Forget about God. He's not coming back. It's over. We are your saviour. That's what they want you to believe. That's what they want you to believe. We are your saviour. Do what you're told. Shut up. Don't pick it. Don't speak about this Jesus. We don't want to hear it anymore. He's not coming back. I think the Vatican said last week, one of their clergy or whoever it was with his big garments on, it looks like Jesus is not coming back. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. Jesus is coming back all right. You better believe it. And you see that priest who said that? He'll hit hell that hard he'll get around the bottom of it. A blasphemer. A blasphemer. How dare he speak about Christ like that? He putting the cross to naught and the blood of Christ to nothing. How dare you speak like that? Wearing the garments of Satan. Pride and violence. Blaspheming the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A blasphemer. And an enemy of God. In verse 7. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. What does this verse mean? Their eyes stand out like fatness. And they have more than their heart could wish. Their eyes bulge with abundance. That's what Asaph is saying here. They're bulging. Their eyes are bulging. They've that much abundance, they don't know what to do with it. They lust after the world and the things of the world and all that the world can offer. And they reject Christ and his ordinances. But they have a short time of pleasure, but an eternity of mourning. A short time of pleasure, but an eternity of mourning will be theirs. David, Job and Jeremiah also spoke of this. And Esau sees it like this. The one in wealth, the other in want. The one honourable, the other despised. The one upon a throne and the one upon a dunghill. That's Esau's mindset. That's how he sees it and that's where he is. So you can see, this great man of God, his mind is gone. His heart and his mind are in tune. And his eyes on the wicked. But remember it says in verse 2. Of the chapter. But as for me. My feet were almost. Almost gone. Not completely gone. Almost gone. Although Esau is still. In this dilemma. And he's looking at the wicked. And he's looking at the prosperity. And his walk is slipping, but he's not gone yet. He's not gone yet. He's not completely gone. Christ is still there with him. And Christ will bring him through. In verse 8 of the chapter, chapter 73, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. And they speak loftily. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. And they speak loftily. They scoff. Esau says they're scoffing. 
They're talking as if they own creation. And all they're in, they're scoffing at him. And they have a swagger. And the pride is on and the chain and the garments of violence. And they're bulging with prosperity. And Esau's looking at them and he's saying they're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. And they speak loftily. They're scoffing me, Lord. And they talk as if they own your creation and everything they're in. And they are malicious. They are arrogant. And they are proud. They are corrupt and rotten. Their heart and life are depraved. They speak wickedly and oppress the people. They speak wickedly and oppress the people. This psalm, Psalm 73, this is for today. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. They are corrupt. They scoff God. They wear their pride of chain. They wear their garments of violence. They browbeat you. They scoff and mock your God. We are your saviour. God's not coming back. Do what you're told and comply. Is it not today? Is this not today? This psalm is today. The state of their soul is revealed in their speech. Listen to the speech and you'll see the soul. I can't see your soul. God can see your soul. But I can tell what your soul is like by that. I can tell what your soul is like by that. They advocate oppression. They oppress the people. Yeah? They oppress the people. And glory in it. And make it a rule over all the nations. You're living in this psalm. This might have been Esau. You're living in it. This Psalm 73 it might as well have been written today. Now, for you and me. You're living in this psalm. It's happening now. And Esau's mind, he's debating with himself. He's in debate with himself. Verse 9 of the chapter. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. They blaspheme God, making themselves higher than God himself and saying he got it wrong. God got it wrong. And they blaspheme him. And they make a mess of God's creation. They reject the the creator. They reject his commandments in the name of prophet. Here we go again. In the name of prophet. God is perfect. His creation is perfect. He's spotless and he's sinless. And he gives the keys to man. What does man do with it all? It's like a car crash. Into the brick wall. There's the keys. What a mess. What a mess man has made of God's creation. And in their own wisdom, they say, God got it wrong. We'll sort it out. What a mess. And you know what the name is above it all? 
profit. Mm. Money. The love of money. You need this. You need that. You need the other. This has happened. You need this. You need that. Get away. Get rid of that and take this. Do this. Do that. That has to go. Take this. Buy this. Profit. Money. Greed. The trillionaires. The trillionaires. And it filters down to you and me. We're your saviour. We'll keep you right. We'll sort you out. Profit. Profiteering and oppressing the people. That's what's happening today. Profiteering and oppressing the people. Till you're frightened out of your wits. Did God give the believer a spirit of fear? Did God give the believer a spirit of fear? No. I'm not having it. I'm not afraid. That's not because of me. Because I know who my God is. I know him. I know who my God is. I'm not having it. And I won't be oppressed. And I won't live in fear. I have to live a life full and free. And speak the word of God. And that's exactly what I intend to do. That's exactly what I intend to do. I know who God is. They should be afraid. It speaks in this chapter later on of terror. The terror of God. They need to be afraid. Very afraid. The wicked. Be very, very afraid. Because they're going to fall into the the terror. Listen to the word. It says it in the chapter later on. The terror of a holy God. Imagine falling into the terror of God. I'm not afraid to speak the word of God. Because I know who he is. I know him. And he strengthens me. He keeps my mind and my heart in tune and my feet walking. I can walk a narrow path. But not because of me. Because I'm just flesh. I can walk the narrow path because I feed on my word and I'm fed from my pastor as well and so are you. You want to walk the walk not just talk the talk of Christ and you take his name in your life you need to be in the tabernacle you need to be in the house of Yahweh being fed by your shepherd and feeding on the spiritual things of God You need to be on your knees in the prayer meeting. Have you got a sanctuary at home? If you haven't got one, get one. And close the door and lock it. Get yourself a sanctuary and get onto your knees. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. I need it. Everybody needs a sanctuary, especially in the home. And God calls you. Go to your sanctuary. Do you ever try to go into the presence of the Lord and not even pray? Don't don't say anything. Don't say anything and let the Holy Ghost speak to you. Because if God's calling you into the sanctuary, he's got something to say to you. It's not the other way around. People, people go with their shopping list and their prayers. Lord, will you do this? Blah, 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 blah. The Lord's done everything. He died on the cross. He shed his precious blood. He ransomed you and saved you. He rose again the third day, ascended into the right hand of the Father. Everything is well with the believer. If I drop dead now, I'm in his glory. Everything is well with the believer. You're safe to serve. So when you go to your sanctuary in your home, do you just be quiet? Be quiet. Because he's something to say to you. It's not the other way around. He has something to say to you. Listen to the Holy Ghost. Listen for the still small voice. Maybe he's calling you to something. You need to listen. You need to be quiet. And listen for the Holy Ghost. And what he has to say. In verse 9. They speak down to us. Or us mere peasants. Don't they? We're just peasants. Speak down to you. 
Their tongue walketh through all the earth. And they make sure we all hear it. How does their tongue go through the earth? Through the media. Their tongue's the media. Media is a Greek word. And it means cunning. It means to contrive. And it means to rule over. And it means to decide. So how does the tongue go through the earth? It goes through the media. And that's what the media means. Your TV and the news, media. Your mobile phone, media. And they'll make sure, the radio, media. And they'll make sure that their tongue is heard. You'll hear it. And they want you to be afraid. Be very afraid. And you do what you're told. And we're your saviour. Are you afraid this morning? Are you afraid? No. Come on. Let's go, church. Stand up for Jesus. Soldiers of the cross. Soldiers. Not wimps. Pastor Ken would say a backbone like pot noodle. We're soldiers for Christ. Hit them hard. Push back. Take ground. Somebody comes at you, hit them hard. Now, I don't mean hit them literally. <laughs> I mean speak the word. It's powerful than any fist you can lift. I was speaking to a man last night. And he had an argument in a church. Now, it's not this church. He had an argument in a church. And he was talking to me about it. You know what he said? He said, I was going to lift my fist. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Keep your hands in your pockets or behind your back and speak the word of God. And keep the peace because where there's peace, there's blessing. He said, don't lift your fists. We're all brothers in Christ. Keep your fists in your pocket and speak the word. Because it'll do more. Because the word cuts to the bone. And maybe that brother who he was going to hit needed the word more than the fists. Because the word is more fact. You make it a wee dig in the chin and knocks it over, but the word, the word goes deeper to the soul. The word goes to the soul and it cuts. It cuts like the two-edged sword and I told him, keep your hands in your pockets and keep the blessing in the church. Keep your hands in your pockets and keep the blessing in the church. First hand of the chapter. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of full cup are wrung out to them. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. What, is, what does that verse mean? What, what does that mean? What's he mean by that? And I looked at that verse and I went, what are you, what are you talking about, Esau? What does that mean? It says, the people turn to them and not to God. The people run to the wicked. And they don't go to God. And they will look after us. And they want to be seen as your saviour. But if God's people did fall into their net, they would drain your cup. They would drain your cup. They would pour it all over you. They would do as much evil to you as possible. As much as they could. If they got you in their web of deceit. In verse 11 of chapter 73. And they say, how doth God know? How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? How doth God know? They limit God, you see. They limit him. How can God know? And they deny God. And they limit his knowledge. If there is a God, does he not see what is going on? That's what they say. If there is a God, 
Does he not see what's going on anyway? And how does he know? And that's the road, that's the road that they go down. So boasting in their own knowledge, as if God doesn't exist. Do you see the way it goes? If there is a God, and now there's no God. That, that's how it goes. They start to reason with themselves. So boasting in their own knowledge, as if God doesn't exist, is their knowledge in the most high. Well labelled by God's word as fools. Fools. Absolute and utter fools. Can you see their mindset? They have a God in their, in their, in their head. The God in their head, which is far from the truth. Now there's a God in their head. And it's not my God. It's far from the truth on his word. To the point where they say, is there really a God? Do you see the road it goes? Is there really a God? For we are made, have you heard this one lately? I heard this one the other, the other week. For we are made in his image and we are like him. Did you hear that? I heard that the other week. Blasphemous. The LGBTQ plus whatever it is, it goes on and on and all. It's like an alphabet. And they start this crack. And I heard it last week. And that's what they're saying. We are made in his image. See the text scripture. And they twist it. Are we not like him? And I heard a guy on the other week. And he started speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not even going to repeat it. It was blasphemous. His chain of pride and his garments of violence. And he was speaking about Christ. One of these lobbyists, these LGBT. I'm not even going to say what he said. It was blasphemous. I was raging. And my spirit was welling up on me. How dare he speak about the lovely Lord Jesus Christ like that. Are we not like God? God was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who came from the glories to save that wretch and his filthy mouth. His filthy mouth. Speaking about Christ like that. But his cup is being filled. His cup is being filled. And keep speaking because your cup's being filled. But the fuller the cup, the greater the judgment. The terror of the Lord will fall upon that man unless he repents. Unless he repents. Speaking of Christ in a blasphemous way. If you spoke about Muhammad like that, there'd be a riot. There would be a riot. Blasphemy. Blasphemy about the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. How dare you? Verse 12. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Can you see S off? Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. And washing the hands is a picture of, of cleansing and the priest would have washed the hands before they came to the word, before they came to make sacrifice. Behold, these are the ungodly. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world and they increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in, in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Verse 12. 
Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. Look, see. Consider here is the situation as Esau saw it. Here is the situation as Esau sees it in the middle of chapter 73. Look, see. Consider here is the situation, the stumbling block of his faith. The unjust are rewarded, and not for a day or an hour, but for all their life. From youth up, they prosper, they deserve judgment, but here they are raveling in their greed and in their prosperity. Robbery and usury pile up their substance. Money runs to money. The rich go richer and the proud go prouder. The proud grow prouder. Money goes to money and the proud go prouder. Esau groans. He's groaning. Can you see him? He's groaning. His mind is tormented. His heart is tormented. He's debating with himself. And his feet are almost gone. He's groaning at what he sees. And he says, Lord, how can it be so? Thy poor servants, Lord, who become yet poorer and groan under their burdens are made to wonder at thy mysterious ways. Esau's mindset, a great man of God, a prophet and a seer, a prophet and a seer, a gatherer of the people into the tabernacle, the house of Yahweh, and his mindset, his mind is almost gone as he debates. Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. He's saying, what's it all for, Lord? Why? I try to lead a holy life. I wash my hands. A sign of cleansing. I despise sin, Lord. I try to walk in your ordinances and according to your commandments. I serve you, Lord. And he says, why? What's it all for? That's where he's at now. What's it all for? In verse 14. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He was smitten in the morning when he went to bed. At night, he was smitten again. He was smitten all the day. His grief was not only continued, but renewed every day. A chastening every day, every morning, during the day, and every night before he went to bed. In verse 15, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of the children. So what, what's this verse mean? And I'm going to finish soon. We're going to have to wind it up. Maybe do part two next Sunday, next Sunday morning. But in verse 15, and this is very important. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. Now, what does that verse mean? Now, listen, listen to what that verse means. If I speak thus, Asaph has thoughts but doesn't speak them because he's not sure. So he's thoughts but he doesn't speak them because he's not sure. See, he's starting now to come round. He's starting to come out the other end of this debate in this chapter. Asaph has thoughts but doesn't speak them. These utterances from such a man would deal a blow to the brothers around him and the family church. And that's very important. If you have anything in your head that you're not sure of, keep it to yourself. Don't speak it until you're sure. Don't speak it until you're sure. 
Because this man of God was going to speak these things that were in his head and his heart. But he didn't. And why did he not? Because a man of God in that situation, a seer and a prophet and a girl of the people, if he spoke those words, it would have a great effect on the rest of the people. Because they would go, what Esau said that. Did you hear what Esau said? And then it spreads. You're in any doubt. Any doubt about, what, about what's in your head. And you're not sure of it. Don't speak it. Until you're sure. Don't speak it until you're sure. And he says about the next generation in, this, in the same verse. I should offend against the generation of the children. What about the children? Be careful about your utterances. I would grieve them and cause them to offend also. It is better to bridle the tongue and stay silent if any doubt of the matter. Any doubt of the matter at all, bridle the tongue. Because it might be wrong. Don't speak it. And you don't know the effect it's going to have around you. The effect that your words have on other believers and other Christians. I'm going to finish this shortly. And we'll do part two next Sunday. In verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He was pierced through now to his kidneys. He's in real anguish now. Asaph says, I can't speak these things. I can't speak what's in my heart. I can't speak what's in my mind. Because if I speak it, it'll affect the rest of the church. And I can't damage the church. That's what he's saying, basically. And I can't damage the children, the next generation. And a man of his elevation in the church, if he spoke what he wasn't sure of, and it turned out to be wrong, he says, I can't do it. He says, I want to speak, but I can't. It's piercing him right through to his kidneys. That's what that verse means. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It was piercing his kidneys. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to keep quiet. I'm going to bridle my tongue. One last verse and then that's it. And we'll do part two next Sunday morning. Verse 17. And this is where it turns. This is where Asaph's mind changes, his heart changes, and his walk goes again. Verse 17 of the chapter. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood then understood I their end. Asaph enters the sanctuary. Asaph enters the house of God, the house of Yahweh. And it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Now it changes. Because where is he? He's in the sanctuary. He's with God. The Holy Ghost is speaking to him ministering on to him he's in the sanctuary and when you go to the sanctuary when you go to the sanctuary any sanctuary this sanctuary your home sanctuary on your own and you listen to what God is saying to you then your mind is filled with God the heart and the mind go back in tune and then you start to walk no more slipping what a journey for Esau. This prophet, this gatherer of the people into the tabernacle, to the house of Yahweh, this man who carried out sacrifices, this man who brought everybody in and said, come on everybody, let's worship God. This priest, what a journey. And in verse 17, he enters the sanctuary. How can we understand or comprehend the providence of God? I can't. That's why it's faith. You live by faith. Don't try and work God out. You'll suffocate yourself. I met a man yesterday at a paddle station. He doesn't go to this church. He doesn't get in the coffee. Met him at the door. And he's had problems. That's all I'm going to say. He's had problems. Pulled him to the side. Grabbed him by the arm. And he says, how's it going? He says, not good. It's not good. 
I said, have you back to church yet? He says, I don't think I'll ever be back. And you know what it was? Do you know what the root is? Doctrines. He says, Glenn, I'm up to here with doctrines. Every kind of doctrine. He says, I'm confused. I'm confused. Do you know something? I think we need to cut that out. You know what I said to them? The blood of Christ, the cross, the empty tomb, you stick to that. The blood of Christ, the cross, and the empty tomb, the risen Savior. And I told him, he says, you're his. He's bought you with his blood. And I walked off. The man's head is tortured. Tortured. With doctrines. Debates. Debates. To the point where his head's gone. Yeah. And he's not going back to church. How sad. A child of God. A child of God tormented with doctrine. Everybody in his ear, blah, 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 blah. And I just said, listen, brother, the blood, Christ, the cross. That's what he needed. Dear love him. Lovely man too, lovely fella. People doing his head in with all the garbage of the day. I'm going to finish. How can we understand and comprehend the divine providence of God? It has to be obtained elsewhere. It can't be obtained in yourself. You're not going to get it or understand it. It has to be in the sanctuary. Let him explain it to you. Let Christ explain it to you. David spoke of the sanctuary, meaning the temple and the holy place where you go and you're fed and you listen to the Spirit or you're fed by your pastor or your shepherd. Weighing the ways of the, law, of the wicked. Weighing the ways of the wicked in the sanctuary, they will be found wanting and they won't be able to balance the scales. And Esau now, starting in verse 17 of chapter 73, sees this. His mind is now goes to the eternal things. He's off the temporal things and he's now on the eternal things. He's in the sanctuary. He's in the right place to get his answers. He's now out of his mindset of temporal things and his heart sings a different song. His eyes turn from the eye of flesh to the spiritual eye and the seer can now see again. The seer can now see again because he's looking at things in the spiritual eye. Now I understand, he says, their end. He now sees their condition, the wicked, and there's no more envy. There's no more envy. He sees their impending judgment. He sees their present guilt before a holy God. And he sees the terror that is about to fall before them. He sees their terror. I, 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 I stop back when I say that. The terror of a holy God, what would that must be? What, what, what must that be like? I, I never have to see that, but can you imagine being in terror before a holy God and he's about to, he's about to judge you? And it's his terror. That's, that's a strong word. The terror of a holy God. And Esau now sees this in the sanctuary. We're going to finish with this. It's a thought that I dropped into my head the other day. We'll do part two next week where Esau is now in the sanctuary and, and God shows Esau 
the, 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 the wicked, he shows them their present and what it's like. He shows them their eternity and what it's like. And he shows Esau his present, who he is, and he shows Esau his eternity. We'll do that next week, but I'm going to finish with this. Does a believer blood-bought child of God value the wisdom of the unsaved and the temporal material things of this world over and above the Savior? Jealous and envious of their wealth and not seeing the spiritual realm, what is happening to them in this life and their end in a lost eternity? If that's you, you're saying that Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not enough. That's what you're saying. That's what that is. If you darken the door for counsel, and you're a blood-bought believer, right? And we can all make mistakes. But if you darken the door for counsel of the unsaved and the wicked, before you darken the door of the sanctuary, you're saying that Jesus is not enough. He's not enough for you. And you need more. They're entire. You know, the ways of the wicked aren't so, they're not so um, appealing now, are they? Not so appealing now. Esau sees it. We'll leave it there. Do a part two next week, and next week we'll pick up where Esau is in the sanctuary. And God shows Esau the wicked now, here now. That psalm is for, for now. And God shows Esau the wicked now. He shows Esau their, their eternity. And he shows Esau his now and his eternity. We'll, we'll do that next week. God bless.